Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. My name's Gerald, I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to say another welcome. Uh, you guys have already hopefully been welcomed really well. Um, Liz and I just got back from a trip. We went to, uh, we got to go to South Africa for like 10 days, and it was unbelievable. I, uh, we got back Thursday, so we're still a little, are we feeling it? I'm feeling it a little bit. A little jet lag. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure the staff team feels like I'm going to probably tell a story about South Africa for the next like year in every single message, and I probably will. Um, but actually, I won't, I won't today as much, but we're thrilled to be back. Uh, we were at a church service last Sunday morning, though, an, an African church service that lasted over three hours. <laughs> Anybody ever been to a church service that lasted that long? Anybody? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just saying, he said it was going to last 60 minutes today, but I might get a little, like, you know, inspired. Um, no, don't worry. Uh, we saw a lot of animals there, though, that were <laughs> incredible. Um, but I want to tell you about one that we didn't, we didn't see, uh, because I learned this this week. I didn't learn this in South Africa. I just learned this this week that apparently whales, um, the, the, most, most of the time when they die, they die because they drowned. Isn't that interesting? Like, they, they die because they drown. Um, whales are mammals, and unlike fish who have to swim around, you know, and, and they, they swim around and they can breathe through their gills, whales don't have that because they're mammals, so they have to, you know this, they have to come up for air. Uh, whales are living in a world that they are not of. They're living in a world that they are not of, and eventually, they, um, they, they, a lot of them drown. They die because of that. Um, you and I are living... Uh, in a world that we're not of. And we have to come up for air sometimes. And what I mean by that is this, that we live in a place where uh, we'll say to one another, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna you know, take care, I'm gonna get, get stronger physically, I'm gonna take care of my physical needs, and that's, and that's great. Um, I'm hungry, so I'm gonna feed my stomach and my body. I'm thirsty, so I'm gonna, gonna feed, you know, give, give my throat some liquid here. Uh, I've gotta feed my, feed my brain uh, information and grow, and those are all good things, but Often what we do is we miss our soul. Uh, we, we, we forget about our soul. And the reality is this, that you were made for something else. You were made for something different. And so when we are at church, as we are here, or maybe you're here today for the first time, we're so thrilled that you're here. As you are here today, here's what you are doing. You know what you're doing today? You're coming up for air. Because you live in a world that you are not of, and your soul needs air. Your soul needs oxygen. And so when we worship, when we sing, when we open up the scriptures, when we encourage one another, when we pray, when we build community together, and when we serve other people, you know what you are doing? You are feeding and allowing your soul to have oxygen. You have to do it or you will drown. So um, welcome to Love Lake Norman, a place where your soul can breathe. Okay, a place where your soul can breathe. Um, we've been in this series called Jesus Up Close, and so uh, I wonder if, if you've ever gotten caught doing something, uh, and uh, like doing something kind of bad or whatever, and, and you get stuck in the middle of like, I got caught, and I'm wondering what the punishment is gonna be. Like, I remember getting into a fight with my brother one time, he was two years older than me, and we were probably 10 and 12, and most of the time he won those fights. I can admit that now. 
Um, but this time, I actually like got him. Like I hit him really hard, okay? And I, I'm not proud of that, except for those five seconds or so when it happened and I was like standing over him and he was on the ground and I was like, yeah, I had that feeling of like, I finally took him down, right? But very, very quickly, that feeling went from that to from like kind of being pumped up to like, oh my gosh, my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Like, what are they going to do to me? They are gonna kill me. And so I went from that, that, that satisfaction to an immediate feeling of like total dread. You know, what is the punishment that I am going to get? And so I start to come up with these, these uh, explanations or these excuses or whatever. And one of them is like, yeah, he's not, he's not as hurt as he thinks he is. He's just kind of faking it. He's working it up. You know, he's trying to make, me, make it look worse than it actually was. Or maybe uh, he deserved it, right? He, he, he deserved it. Um, or, or maybe like I'll run, away and, I'll run away and hide. You know, we do that when it comes to God. We do that when it comes to God. We adjust our story sometimes in a way. We, we feel often like I am caught. I, you know, I got caught doing something and I don't know what the punishment is going to be. And we just kind of have that feeling of low level sometimes dread when it comes to God and who he is. Often uh, we live life that way where we're just feeling stuck in the middle. And so we just adjust our story. You know, or we say, oh, it's not as bad as, as I think it is. Or we blame somebody else or we run away or we say, oh, I'm going to deal with that later. Um, and, and maybe you got caught because you, you, you cheated somebody or you, you told a lie or you, you, you lusted after something or someone or you stole something or you got jealous and it drove you to do or to say things that took you over the line. And, and, and maybe you said, I'll just do this this one time. I'm just going to do this this one time. And, but, but you got caught and you're, you're, you're worried about paying the price. And maybe you're saying to yourself, God's never going to forgive me for this. I've got this thing in my past, and I haven't ever told anybody about it, but he's never going to forgive me for, 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 for that. And so maybe you've just run away, or you've said, I'll deal with God later, and you've tried to hold him at a distance. You know why we do that? Like, like why, why we tend to do that? Because we tend to think that God is just like us. We tend to think that he's going to react just like we are. He's going to treat us how we would treat us if we caught ourselves doing something. If, if any of that describes you today... This story from John chapter 8, uh, where we are today in this series on the book of John, is for you. Now, I want to um, tell you about this story. And if, you, if you have a Bible and you, and you read uh, John chapter 8, often in your Bible, it's going to have an asterisk by this story. There's going to be an asterisk, and you, and you often probably, if, if you've seen it, you've wondered why is it there. And, and, and the Bible will say something like, this story was not in the earliest manuscripts of this uh, of, of the Gospels. Now, here's a little bit of background on that. What we have when we have the Bible are, are, are actually, like, we don't have the original autograph. I don't know if you know that. The autograph is the, the actual document that the person who wrote this, inspired by God, wrote down on a piece of paper, whatever document they were using. That, that's called the original or the autograph. We don't have those. What we have are copies. And we actually have copies of copies of copies, okay? And so with the Bible, there's like thousands and thousands of copies of, of all different parts of the Bible. And, 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 and there's just amazing that we have so many. If you take another ancient work, like say the Iliad, uh, there, there's only like a handful of those copies that exist, but we trust those as reliable. With the Bible, we have like thousands and thousands of copies. But what 
is uh, the reality with this story is that it's not found in the most ancient ones, but it made it in. Now, now what we have in this story is most likely a story that, that happened, that actually happened with Jesus, and it was just a, a piece kind of floating around on its own, and it got passed around, and, and it made its way into the book of John. John probably did not write this story, but the reason it's there is because we have, uh, with a high degree of reliability, we understand that this happened, like, like the story that we're getting ready to read happened. All right, that's just a little parenthetical statement if you're wondering why it says that in your Bible. So um, John chapter 7, we're not going to talk through that, and I would highly encourage you to read that on your own. And if you, you may have one of the journals that we've given out, and I, I hope you do. If you don't have one yet, you can grab one outside. But in John 7, um, all these people, especially the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're questioning who Jesus is. They're like, who is this guy? And these people are starting to follow Jesus, and so they're getting more and more stressed out, these Pharisees, because people are leaving them and following Jesus, and he's teaching at the temple, and, and he teaches with power and authority, it says. Power and authority, unlike the other rabbis, unlike the other teachers of the day, Jesus is teaching in a different kind of way, and so the Pharisees are worried. And so at the end of John chapter 7, it says this. Um, in fact, Nicodemus shows back up. Now, if you were here with us when we were talking through John chapter 3, that whole book was about a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And it's an amazing, please go back and read that, an incredible conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And here we see Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, very well respected. He shows up again. Now, he's going to show up later, too. Um, but here's what he says here. He says, it says, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them. Now, these are, he said to his Pharisee uh, com companions. He said, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Um, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And so um, what, what you get is this, this place where Nicodemus is defending Jesus. He's like, shouldn't we hear this guy out? And that sets the stage for what I want to share with you this morning in this story. It goes on. It says, they each went to his own house. And then uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And, and so uh, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. He, the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, uh, they, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women, like, like, like to execute her, to put her to death. So what do you say, Jesus? And in verse six, he, uh, it says that they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. They're trying to trick Jesus here, okay? So they have this, this sort of trumped up charge. Uh, they weren't concerned about this woman. They're using her. So they bring this woman who apparently was, uh, I, I don't know if it really happened or if it was just sort of, they made it up, but she was caught in the act of adultery. Now, um, I don't know if you noticed who's, who's like not in the scene. The, the, the guy, right? Like, like the guy that she was caught with. He's nowhere, to be, he's nowhere to be found. Now, what you have here is some evidence uh, of, of, again, like we said this a couple weeks ago, but how they treated women in that day and how they also weren't looking for justice. They were looking to trick Jesus because if Jesus says this, if he says, don't stone her, they're going to be able to say to him, um, you're not following Moses. You're not following the Old Testament law. But if he says, go ahead and do it, right? Let's pick up a rock. I'll be the first one. He's no different than anybody else. So they try to stick Jesus in this 
predicament. They, 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 they're, they're learning, though, that they can't really put Jesus in a box because he will uh, immediately make them look foolish. Here's what happens next. Verse 6 says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And so uh, it says, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, um, let's take that first part first. He, he, he bends down, right? And he starts to, 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 to draw with his finger in the sand. Isn't that interesting that we get that detail? Like we know nothing about what he wrote or what he said, but, but I look at it and I'm like, what? it's an amazing communication technique, okay? <laughs> like, because what he does is he, he, he says, I'm gonna pause for a minute and, and like let you think. And as a, as a communicator, I'm like, That's, it's, it's a brilliant way to do that. Like he just bends down and he pauses. I just wanted to see who was going to like make a noise first. Um, <laughs> it gives you a moment to think. It gives you a moment to process. And so then he, he, he like the most like tweetable phrase he might have ever said. I mean, it, it, like these, this is something that the guys would write down and be like, I got to repeat this over and over and over and over again. He says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let him who without sin among you be the first to, be a, to, th- to throw a stone at her. And, and then you know what he does next? Here, here's what it says. He, he bends down again to write in the sand. Verse eight. He bends down again once more and he wrote on the ground. Can you get your mind around that for a minute? Let him who is without sin throw the first stone at her. He's got all of these men around with rocks in their hands. And he looks around and he says, okay, whoever doesn't have sin, you go first. And then, right back down, drawing in the sand. And I wonder if he's like looking at him like, you know, while he's drawing in the sand again, but he gives them another minute to process. He gives them another minute to think. When it comes to God and invitation, his invitation to change, sometimes we just need a minute. Sometimes you need a minute. Sometimes I need a minute. When it comes to God and his invitation to change, we need a minute. Now, uh, here's what we do. <laughs> we, we, we will tend to go, hey, where's God? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like he's speaking to me. He's not doing what I want him to do. He's not answering the prayer that I, I, I want him to answer. He's not, um, he's not saying what I want him to say. In fact, I don't even know like, what he's doing at all. He's so quiet. Could it be that that silence is him giving you a minute? Could it be that that, that, that silence is an opportunity for you? Because might it just be that he is withholding judgment? You know that God wants no one to die without him. He wants no one to die without him. And so he gives us a minute. In your world right now, maybe it's not where's God and why isn't he answering? Maybe it's, oh, he's given me a minute to respond. How am I responding right now? He's he's holding things back to give us time. 
When it comes to God and his invitation to change, sometimes we just need a minute. But it says this, it says, when, uh, when they heard that phrase, when they heard him say, who's without sin, you throw the first rock. When they heard that, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing beside him. So can you picture that? The rocks that they're holding in their hand, thud on the ground, one after the others. The older ones first. You know why, right? <laughs> they're just wiser. They've seen more. They've, they, 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 and maybe they're feeling caught. And the younger ones, you know, the, the, the younger ones, you know, if you're young, you just tend to be you know, like fervent and more passionate, and that's, a, that's great. Maybe more opinionated, though, and, and, and you tend to think that you're right most of the time. Um, the older ones knew quicker. They went, oh, he's right. And they dropped their rocks. You know, the, like the older I get, I, I feel like the less, um, the less adamant I am about a lot of things, and, and it's like the less I, how do I say this? The, 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 there, there are fewer things I really care about, but the things that I care about, I care about more. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Things I am uh, passionate about grow deeper and deeper. Jesus always gives you an opportunity to change. He always gives you and me an opportunity to change. He's inviting that. He's inviting that. He's inviting her into this uh, life change. And so they get to this scene. It's so powerful, isn't it? These guys just drop the rocks and walk away one by one till it's just Jesus and this woman. In verse 10, it says, Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. You imagine her emotions in that moment? Can you imagine what, what she was feeling? Like she was dragged from, if it's true, if it was really an adulterous act, she was dragged in. Maybe she was set up, <clears throat> but dragged into this, this, this meeting. And she had been set up, and so she's got to be angry and confused and embarrassed and ashamed. And shame is powerful. Shame will eat us alive. Shame will drag us under the water and keep us there until we drown. That's what shame will do, it's powerful. It will cause us not to look one another in the eye, but Jesus, but Jesus, he defends her and he silences them and he sends them away. And what seemed impossible to her was about to happen. Where are they, he says, where are they? There's nobody here. Nobody, Lord, just, just us. And then Jesus says these incredible words. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I'm not gonna condemn you either. It reminds me of the words um, that, that were, John wrote in uh, chapter three where he's, Jesus is, is speaking to Nicodemus, and then in 3, verse 17, it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And Jesus is saying two things here. I'm not here to condemn you. Go and leave this life of sin. You know that Jesus always forgives. He always forgives. You're not too far gone. You're not too far away from him. And then he always invites us into a better life than the one we were living. 
He always is inviting us into a better life than the one that we were living. He's inviting this woman, he's, he's raising her up every time, I've said this before, but every time he interacts with a woman in the scriptures, he elevates her status. And what he is doing is he is saying, you're a person with a soul. Come on, come forward with me, come follow me. Leave the life, that, like, like you're better than that. You've got more to offer than that. And I wanna do amazing things through you. And maybe today you're, you're, you're feeling like, hey, um, yeah, like I've felt caught before. Maybe you've been caught at something recently. I've certainly felt caught <coughs> at some point in my life. And, and, and I, like, I wonder what the punishment is gonna be. And you're stuck in the middle of that. Maybe today you need to hear Jesus' words that he speaks to you as well and to me. Neither do I condemn you. Like, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Maybe, uh, on, on the other hand, you have a rock in your hand today. Like, you've picked up a rock. And you're kind of ready to throw it. You know? Like, and you know who you, you have in mind. You're ready to throw it. And maybe you'd even be justified in throwing it. You've got a rock in your hand. Maybe you just need to hear Jesus say this today. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. Let him who's without sin be the first to throw a stone. So um, let me summarize all of that with this. Would you just be willing today to step into this um, relationship with Jesus, whether you've followed him for a long time or today is, um, this is new for you. But the, 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 this idea that um, maybe it's time to begin to walk with the confidence of one who's been forgiven. Can you walk with the confidence of one who has been forgiven? Like walk with the confidence of one who knows Jesus and who knows, he knows everything about me and he's discovered all of that and he still loves me, he still invites me to follow him, he still doesn't push me away. Walk with the confidence of one who has been forgiven. And maybe that means today, it's time to step out of um, a, a sinful relationship or a habit that you have that has been detrimental to you. And, and it's time to ask for help. Maybe today you're like, yeah, I got a, I got a rock and, and Daryl, you don't understand what happened, but I mean, I, I've got, you know, I've got this rock in my hand and, and, and this person deserves it. Maybe today is the day that you invite Jesus to give you the strength to let it go. To let it go. Because you know what that rock is doing? It's weighing you down. Maybe today you're just gonna need to say to yourself and, and, and step into this, like I'm gonna hold my head high as one who has forgiven because there is one who has fought and one who has paid the highest price for my freedom. And that's Jesus on the cross for you and for me. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. 
Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.